Good afternoon. Uh, it's great to see all of our visitors back with us. Um, very privileged and honored to be your speaker. Um, we're in our miracle series, Jesus Miracle Series, um, and what I'm going to be speaking on is Jesus withering the fig tree on the road from Bethany. Um, the verses there uh, for this miracle are in Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 through 22, and Mark chapter 11, uh, verses 12 through 14, and verses 20 through 25. Um, so to start our lesson, we're going to go ahead and read those passages. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Matthew chapter 21, reading there, verses 18 through 22. Um, in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did this fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And then Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 25. Um, On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see it, see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers." And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Most of us have probably read this story hundreds of times, Um, but if you're like me, um, you might not have ever paused and thought about what is really happening in this story. Um, I'm pretty sure the first time I read this, I was just thinking, why figs? Why can't it be a peach tree? Why can't it be apples or something? Um, This is honestly one of just miracles that is often not thought of right off the bat. Um, Most of the time we're thinking of Jesus walking on water or Jesus feeding the 5,000. No great crowds, no stormy seas, Uh, No abundance of food coming from five loaves and two fish. Uh, But the lessons here are nonetheless valuable. Um, Look again at verse 20 in Mark chapter 11. It says, As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. 
And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. I've always thought this is an odd miracle. Uh, verse 13 of Mark 11 even says that it wasn't the season for figs. Uh, so how can Jesus be so harsh? Um, is this an overreaction? Um, but really those questions come from misinterpreting the verse. If you were to read various commentators' takes on this miracle, then you would find that the time period in which Jesus is performing this miracle is likely March or April. Even if we have super nice weather, let's say here, um, we still wouldn't expect fruit to yield 100% of the time. Um, let me tell you, uh, we bought a peach tree and it's not doing so hot. So we had some beetles that, that came and kind of took it out. So we're trying to revive it, but you know, that was kind of unexpected. So we were hoping for this nice peach tree and you know, we got it at a good price. And so we were happy about that, but you know, it didn't go to plan. So now we're trying to revive it. Um, Luckily, Leanna has a green thumb. I do not. I have the opposite, probably a black thumb. Um, so I cannot save it to save my life. So I have to rely on Leanna to do that. Um, however, remember that Jesus is in Israel at this moment, and that climate would have been excellent for fruits such as figs during the given time of year. Because of the warmer climate, their crop season which was much longer than we would have here. At this point, I'm still asking myself, why does the text say it wasn't the season's season for figs still? Um, a more accurate way of explaining this is to say that it wasn't the season for harvesting figs, uh, meaning that it was great for figs to grow in this climate, but farmers would have yet, wouldn't have yet gone to pull the figs off the tree. Uh, so the tree Jesus went to should have been filled with figs, um, where most would be good for eating. The tree would have been given everything it needed. There was no excuse to have not produced any fruit, but yet it was barren. Go back to verse 12. One, Jesus saw it from afar. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if I see a tree in the distance, if it looks dead or like a bunch of twigs, I'm probably not going to go up to it and expect there to be abundance of fruit on it. Um, and the verse confirms this. The Bible says that Jesus saw that the tree had leaves, meaning this tree was in prime season. It was healthy, it was full, and it was, it was mature. But it was a worthless display of green that might be pleasing to the eye, but with no fruit. Are we pleasing to the Lord from afar, so to speak? But the closer he gets, the more he sees that we are not producing fruit for his kingdom. We should be, but we just simply aren't. The closer the Lord looks, obviously the Lord knows if we're producing fruit or not, no matter how close he's looking at us. Um, he sees all and he knows all. Um, this tree would have probably been at least somewhat close to a main road. Um, under Jewish law, the travelers on the road would have been allowed to eat the fruit from these, if you will, public property trees, meaning yet again, there wasn't a single reason in the world that Jesus shouldn't have been able to pick some figs from this tree. So when Jesus curses the tree, it's not so much an angry and frustrated outburst 
Instead, it's a pronouncement of judgment. It's a reminder that God has roles and expectations. We don't just become a baptized believer and that's the end. We still have a lot of work to do. And when we continue following with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and do what we want and do what we want or what feels right instead, uh, then the outcome is condemnation and destruction. Jesus said, because you didn't bear fruit, that ability will be completely taken away from you. Um, may you never fulfill your purpose. Recall the parable of the servants in Matthew chapter 25. Reading there in Matthew chapter 25, verses 26 through 30, it says, But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you, know, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather there where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That servant didn't produce fruit. He was able to, but he chose not to. Um, he chose to be lazy. He chose to disobey, and he was destroyed because of it. Um, do we do the same today? Uh, we are able to produce fruit. All of us have the ability, but are we lazy? Um, do we have worldly things in front of us um, more often than the works of the Spirit? We have been given free will from the Almighty, do we choose time and time again to disobey the Lord or uh, do we choose to obey him? This isn't a new concept either. Um, it's not isolated to the teachings of Christ. Um, look at Matthew chapter 3 verses 7 through 10 with John the Baptist. He says there, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the roots, to the root of the trees. Even every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist from the beginning taught that bearing fruit was important and in fact vital to the service of God. Um, from the beginning he told the Jews that being a part of the nation wasn't a get out of jail free card so to speak. It doesn't matter who we are or who our ancestors were, um, we all will stand and be judged by the same God um, for our own actions. Uh, in fact that's exactly Jesus' point here. The fig tree was a perfect metaphor for the nation of Israel. Everything looked good from a distance. They had been given every bit of nourishment and good environment they needed for growth. Jesus had been preaching to them for approximately the, the past three years, um, teaching them repentance, teaching them the, the kingdom of God was at hand. See Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He had done everything to prepare them to be fruitful, fruitful children of God. But when the time came, all they had to offer was their, their words. Um, they had no actual f 
fruit growing from their branches. If we read earlier on in Mark chapter 11, we see the Jews offering praise to God, but all for show. Um, reading there, verses 7 through 9 of chapter 11. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches and they had cut, that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said the right things, but their hearts were of the world. Um, they weren't interested in serving God. It was all for show. Uh, they wanted an earthly king, someone to rule over them on earth. No, um, to lead and for them to follow. I mean, that's all they were looking for. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. How sad must this make the Lord? Uh, so when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he was showing his disciples what would happen to the Jewish nation. Um, how it was doomed for destruction because it refused to obey God as it should have. And then uh, for the rest of our time tonight, this evening, I want to briefly talk about the fruit that we are required to bear today. Um, let's start with the very words Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Um, he says there, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And think about Peter's statement and where we are in Jesus' timeline here. Um, Jesus had been teaching and performing miracles for approximately three years, as I said. Um, he had prepared the Jewish nation, but he was just as much preparing his disciples. And Peter was better prepared probably than most. Um, he had walked on water himself, as we mentioned in the last lesson in Matthew chapter 14. And Peter had been with Jesus and seen his true holiness in the transfiguration. Um, that's in Mark chapter 9. And Peter was one of the disciples closest to Jesus whom we often call part of the inner three. Uh, but yeah, he seems shocked that Jesus had the ability to wither a tree. Um, so Jesus takes the opportunity to teach another lesson, uh, one about faith. If the disciples had the proper faith, this miracle would have been nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, so Jesus shows the disciples and us one of the main fruits we need to be bearing, faith. Um, a complete belief and trust in God and his power and might, that we have faith and his will is indeed perfect. A faith that causes us to want to obey him and his word. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he, re he rewards those who seek him. This is our starting point. This is our root, uh, faith. How can we produce faith in, or how can we bear fruit? Um, look at John, the 15th chapter, and the first five verses there. It reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit in it of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Uh, so the only way um, one of us can bear fruit is by remaining in Christ. And it might not always be a, a pleasant thing. Um, we need to be pruned constantly, keeping the sin out of our lives so that good fruit can grow. Um, I forgot who I heard preach it uh, many years ago, um, but he said, essentially, for every sin uh, you get rid of in your life, you must find something good to fill the void, um, some good fruit, so to speak. Um, that has always stuck with me, and I pray that I continue to do so. We need to be rooted in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And then Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20 says, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Peter starts with faith in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. We build on that as our foundation, just like Jesus stated as we saw earlier. Adding to it virtue, then knowledge, next self-control, perseverance, continuing making ourselves as much like Christ as we can in this journey we call life. Then adding brotherly kindness, and finally, love. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. If we all go back and remember the beginning of this year, of 2023, uh, Nate suggested a possible focus or goal for each and every one of us here at Springer Road uh, throughout this year. And reading Romans chapter 12, verse 10 struck a chord with me. And reminded me of this. At the end of this month, we're going to be at the halfway point of, of 2023. Um, so this is our reminder to outdo one another to produce fruit. Um, that's stuck with me. And unfortunately, I, I, I didn't do the best of, of remembering it. So um, it's a good reminder for me as well. Um, in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If all these things are in us that I mentioned, um, we won't be unfruitful. I mean, we, we possibly can't. Um, a similar passage to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8, is another passage we have heard so many times of the fruits of the Spirit. Found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-26, through 26, Paul says there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us practice these qualities even more and continue producing fruit as individuals and then as a congregation as a whole as well. Um, I know we have so many from different congregations and 
you know, hopefully we can take some of these qualities back to our congregations and, and spread it. Um, if you get anything out of this lesson, I want to remind you all of, of two things. Um, there are two reasons we need to be bearing fruit. Number one, Matthew verse three, or chapter three, verse 10. If we don't bear fruit, we'll be cut down and thrown into the fire um, because we refused uh, to obey God's word. And then number two, John chapter 15, verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Our entire purpose on this earth for this short while is to glorify God. We should want to bear as much fruit as we possibly can so that we can glorify God as much as possible while on this earth. That is the least he deserves. That's the least that Garrett can give him. Um, he loves us so much that he gave his son to die upon the cross for us, for our sins. Um, we heard a great lesson this morning from Lee, and uh, I hope we take that and really apply it to our lives. Um, so I'll leave you with this. Are, are you bearing that fruit? Maybe you've never rooted your life in Christ and followed his steps to salvation, hearing his word, believing it, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and being baptized for the remission of your sins. Or maybe you've done that, uh, but you haven't been producing the fruit that you should. Then if you need prayers on behalf of the church, if you're be of either case, why don't you come while we stand and sing?